In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. History makers. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Alejandro Arias, who is author of a book called The Boy Preacher, A Supernatural Journey. And it's great to have him on the line today. How are you, Alejandro? I'm doing great, Pastor Matt. Yes, having a wonderful day here in Melbourne. Today the temperature is very nice. Beautiful. It's uh, warming up. It's a beautiful day. And, uh, yeah, just uh, came back from overseas, had a great time, and I'm back in, in, in Melbourne, so, yeah. Fantastic. Now, did I pronounce your name right, Alejandro? Yes, you did. <laughs> and and what's your heritage? What country are you from? I'm originally from Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I was there until I was 16, and then I moved to the States. And uh, I've been in Australia for the last two and a half years now. Fantastic. Now, you've got an incredible ministry. Uh, You know, starting your ministry at the age of 11, you've traveled to over 40 nations, preaching the gospel to thousands of people around the globe. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how life was for you as a young fella. Yeah, well, everything started when I was five years old. And, uh, you know, the book is basically my life story, and it tells uh, in detail what God did while I was a child. Uh, you know, growing up in Costa Rica, uh, my parents were not Christians when all of this started. So they, I grew up in a Catholic family, and uh, it was it was supernatural because of the times when I went to the mass and I, you know, heard the priest. Everything that he, the priest was saying, it was recorded in in the back of my mind. And every time, you know, what I used to do as a child is I would invite all of my friends to have a, a play mass. So I would actually gather all of my uh, mates and bring them into uh, into my house and we'll have a, a, a play mass. And I'll ask my mom for some grape juice, you know, as, as, as the symbol of, of the wine. And I will ask my dad for some uh, cookies, uh, some biscuits, because he used to own a grocery store back in those days. And, uh, you know, as a symbol of the holy bread, yeah, so I will. I will invite all of my mates and bring them all together, and and sometimes um, you know I will preach them, and it was just supernatural how the words, uh, you know, the the message will come out of my mouth, uh, you know, as a five year old kid, you know, it was extraordinary how I would just preach to them and and uh, tell them all about Jesus and what Jesus did for them upon the cross of Calvary, and obviously my parents were very shocked, and and they couldn't understand because. You know, they never taught me the Bible. They never sat down with me and, and you know, uh, you know, showed me the scriptures. So, so it was a very supernatural experience. How the Holy Spirit would just put those scriptures and and stories in my heart so that I would share with the kids. And uh, the funny thing, and the funny side, is that uh, you know sometimes the kids will line up three, you know, two three times. <laughs> to get the communion, because it was actually a snack for them. Yeah. And what did your parents do when you were uh, raised in Costa Rica? Well, my father, um, like I said, he owned a grocery store, mm-hmm. but he was going to the liquor business, so he had two bars in the community. Mm-hmm. 
and my mom was just, uh, you know, she was just staying at home, looking after us. And, uh, yeah, what God did in her life is quite extraordinary, too, because uh, she listened to a lot of, uh, you know, parties and stuff like that. Uh, uh, she was into dancing and, you know, going out to parties, and she would come late at, you know, at night time, and, and uh, sometimes uh, she would find my dad drunk. And so, so I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, and when I was seven, my parents actually decided that their marriage wasn't working out, and they thought, well, the best way to finish a marriage is to get a divorce. So they were going to file for divorce, and while they were waiting for that divorce to come through, the Lord Jesus you know, came through for a family, and uh, my mom had an experience, a supernatural experience, which I describe in the book more in detail, she wanted to take her life, and while she was, you know, getting everything ready, the water, the pills, everything, she turned this Christian, you know, I mean, no, she turned the radio on, and she was looking for a secular station, but it was like uh, the hand of God stopped her and redirected her hand and took her to this Christian dial. And, and as she was listening to these words from this preacher, she began to cry, and so she got on her knees, and she was weeping, and she was touched by the Holy Spirit, and uh, she surrendered her life to Christ. And from that day, my family changed dramatically. It was a big, you know, 320-degree uh, uh, change. It was amazing how God did it. And when you were young, uh, did you have a sense of destiny that you'd end up being in the ministry? Like, did you have a dream as a kid to... Uh, to well, obviously, you know, you, you played those games with your, with your, your friends, but did you think... That was what you were going to be when you grew up? Yeah, actually, I, I kept telling my mom, one day I'm going to become a priest. This is <laughs> when I was a Catholic. Yeah. But then when I came to the Lord, you know, that idea sort of in my brain just uh, that changed. And so I, I will tell my friends, I know God has called me to, to the ministry, and one day I'm going to become a preacher. So instead of saying I'm going to become a priest, I'll say I'm going to become a preacher. Mm. Yeah. And I always had that notion, that, that conviction that I was going to preach the gospel. And uh, I will tell my friends, my family, one day I'm going to preach the gospel. But, uh, you know, I was already doing it in the community. Sometimes my, uh, my dad will bring, you know, powerful tracks that he will find out in, you know, uh, out, out uh, while he was running errands. And uh, he will bring them home, and I will just go around the community and pass these tracks out and, and give them to people. And sometimes I'll get I'll get on the bus and you know pass the tracks out and and talk to people about Jesus. So that that was the sort of you know uh, beginning God just let me have as a child. And then later on, um, you know, God obviously launched me into a full time ministry uh, at the age of eleven. So at the age of seven, you gave your heart to the Lord uh, following your mother's conversion, and months later, your faith was severely tested when it was discovered that. You had a cancerous tumor lodged between your heart and lungs. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, that actually happened. Sorry, just to rectify that, it happened a year later. Oh, a year later, sorry. Yep. Yeah, when I was eight. Um, the enemy, um, you know, tried to attack me, and he basically tried to kill me. Uh, I was diagnosed with this dangerous, deadly cancer between my lungs and my heart, and it was inoperable. So it was a very difficult experience, a very difficult mountain to, to climb. But, I, you know, I began to pray and trust the Lord. 
And for three months, I was praying and, and trusting God for a supernatural miracle. Um, obviously, uh, my father was not a Christian yet at that point. So he he was very concerned, and, and he would, you know, instead of drinking the normal, he would drink more, and he would be, you know, uh, completely uh, immersed uh, over over the, the this period of time, it was pretty much uh, going to the bars every night because he was depressed, and so he wanted to, you know, find a solution for his depression. and And it was very difficult for a family. My mom was not a very strong Christian. She had recently come to the Lord. She was a baby Christian. She had only been going to church for one year, and so it was a big, a very big test for the family. And, uh, you know, after going through these, I think we learned, we all learned that, you know, trusting God is the best solution for anything. And so we prayed, I prayed for three months every night. I would go in, into my room and pray and ask the Lord to heal me. At the end of this journey, um, I went to a healing service. I was invited to this healing service. And the pastor that was preaching, he started prophesying. One of the things he said is, uh, which I will never forget, he said, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to be a testimony for the nations, God is going to use you. So, you know, it was unexpected. I wasn't really expecting to hear that, and, and you know, I broke in tears, and my mom was also weeping as well, and we were touched by the, the, the strong anointing that was in the place. And uh, then after that, I sort of looked at my mom from the corner of my eye, and I, I sort of, you know, said, <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, I knew this was going to happen, and I told her later on, see, I told you God was going to heal me, because I knew I had a strong sense of, of faith, and I knew that God was going to, you know, perform the miracle, even though the doctors had already given up on me, and, uh, you know, I always knew God was going to do it. And so next day I went to the doctors, and to their astonishment, after they did the x-rays, you know, after waiting for a couple of hours, waiting for the results, to their astonishment, when they checked the results, the tumor had been completely stripped off my lung, wow. uh, removed completely, and uh, and there was a scar, you know, an internal scar left there, as though someone had operated me. And the doctor actually asked us when he was interviewing us in his office. He said, "What's what's wrong with this? I mean, have have you been operated?" He asked me, "Have you been operated before?" Because I see that there is a scar here, as though someone has operated before in that particular area. And uh, I said to the doctor, no, I'm not aware of any operation before. So I believe that was God's blueprint, you know, uh, of his miraculous power. And he left it there. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just amazing how it happened. And, and the doctors were amazed. They couldn't believe how, you know, God did it in, in, in such a short period of time. And you really had an amazing journey as a, a young man. You know, the, the book Boy Preacher tells the story uh, about your uh, your life growing up. And uh, then a Venezuelan missionary called Orlando Lopez saw the call of God in your life and began to mentor you and gave you opportunities to preach to hundreds at evangelistic outreaches in a local park. Now, you were just a young fellow. What was it like for you getting up and preaching? The first time, it was it was a very frightening experience because I had never spoken, you know, outdoors. So it was a, a very frightening experience. But then after five minutes, you know, when I prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, help me. And the anointing hit me. And that first day, the first opportunity, to be honest, it was an amazing uh, opportunity. I preached for 40 minutes. 
with boldness and power, and seven souls came to Jesus that first time, the very yeah. first Saturday that he allowed me to preach, you know. And then, obviously, he kept inviting me, and, I, you know, I kept going to the parks uh, every Saturday. And I did it for about uh, five weeks. And uh, the, the momentum, momentum kept building up, and more and more people kept joining us. Even taxi drivers would pull in and, you know, come out of the cars and, and listen to this boy preacher because it, it was it was sort of becoming like a sensational thing in town where people were coming in, you know, flocking the park to listen to this boy preacher. So even the media picked on it, and, you know, that's when God launched me into full-time ministry when the pastors of the community heard what God did in my life and, uh, you know, my testimonies that they would invite me to their churches to share my testimony. This all happened after I went to Venezuela when this missionary, you know, sort of helped me and trained me, um, coached me, if I can use that word. He coached me spiritually. He was a great mentor, you know, at the beginning stages of, of my ministry. And he helped me to go to Venezuela. And actually the Lord showed him that he was meant to pay for my tickets and pay for all my accommodation and basically bring me over to Venezuela. And, you know, all of that was great, but the only problem was my dad was not a Christian up, up you know, to that point. He was not, he hadn't surrendered his life to Christ. He was doing a lot of things like helping me out. You know, he would get me the tracks. He was always very supportive and he was always very nice, you know, to my mother and, and, and to my brothers, you know. He, he never opposed us to, and going to church or anything like that. He was never an obstacle in that sense. But obviously God had to deal with him on an individual basis. And after God has stripped everything off his life, you know, business, uh, uh, money, and everything, he uh, at the end of that journey, he surrendered. He actually came to Christ when I was 12 years old. He came to Christ during one of my meetings in Costa Rica. And I remember it was an amazing experience seeing my dad coming to the you know, front of the altar, surrendering his life to Christ. And all of the pastors and, and people there thought that he was a Christian. And, uh, you know, it was very shocking for them to see this. my dad, you know, the, the preacher's dad coming to the altar and surrendering his life to Christ. But it was an amazing experience because we had all been praying for more than eight years for him to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Wow, no. going, back, going back to the park, um, after five weeks, a missionary invites me to Venezuela. He pays for all my expenses. I get to Venezuela, and uh, the Lord starts opening doors everywhere. You know, all of these churches, uh, they, they were very interested in, you know, hearing uh, the testimony. And so that's how God launched me, uh, you know, into international full-time ministry in Venezuela. And all of my childhood dreams, uh, sort of came to pass while I was in Venezuela because what I used to do, this is actually described in the book, I used to, you know, uh, sit in front of my toys. Sometimes I will have uh, all of these Lego blocks and put them all together and build a radio station and I would, you know, play like I was, uh, you know, talking to uh, thousands of, you know, people around the world and I would just play with these Lego uh, blocks and you know, like building my own radio station. And, and you know, I had all of these childhood dreams. One day I'm going to preach in radio. One day I'm going to preach uh, uh, on TV. And I'm going to preach to thousands of people, tell them about Jesus. And what I used to do with my brother, you know, he, he was the, the cameraman. So he would grab a uh, Coca-Cola bottle 
and uh, we were very creative, you know, as kids. And uh, he was the cameraman recording me with a Coca-Cola bottle, and I would grab my mother's uh, hair uh, brush, you know, thing, and that was the microphone. And, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we'd just play around. Uh, those were games, but in the back of my mind, I knew that God was going to call me to do this kind of ministry one day on a full-time basis. Well, it is a, a great story of how the Lord has uh, moved in your life over the years, and uh, you're now based in Melbourne in Australia, married to a, a beautiful Aussie lady named Rebecca, and uh, traveling around the world still sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, your, your new book, The Boy Preacher, uh, is uh, telling that story. It's fantastic to catch up with you today. If people want to find out more, the best website to go to is alejandroarias.org that's A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-O-A-R-I-A-S alejandroarias.org and there people can find out all the details and of course uh, you're travelling around Australia and many nations sharing the gospel Uh, it's been a blessing to have you on the radio today Alejandro I reckon you're a history maker thanks for your time thank you Pastor Matt appreciate it God bless you and bless your family and bless the audience and uh, have a wonderful day Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. Order your flash drive with 20 of the best History Makers interviews now at historymakers.tv for just $19.95. All proceeds will help History Makers Radio and TV share the gospel all around the world. Order now at station sponsor, historymakers.tv. You'll hear interviews from Mark Burnett, producer of the Bible series and Survivor. Musicians like Paul Coleman, Mark Schultz and George McArdle from the Little River Band. Also Kate Brax, winner of MasterChef 2011, former Olympian Elka Whalen and many more. Order now at historymakers.tv.